It's another series win for the Toronto Blue Jays, and they come away after the month of April on the first day of May with a 15-8 and record. Hello and welcome to episode 196 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. Guys, how are you feeling after that three-game set against the Astros? You know, nothing's really changed. I mean, the Jays come out, they're winning series. They did it throughout the entire month of April. And they started off May on the exact same note. Everything's kind of the same. I mean, pitching's been stellar for the most part. The hitting's kind of iffy still. But at the end of the day, the Jays are finding ways to win in these one-run games. So kind of nothing is really changed. And it's kind of been status quo. And the Jays are still finding ways to win games. You can't complain whatsoever. And uh, it's good that the Jays are getting these, these wins early on in the season. Yeah, I don't know if it makes our job easy or hard, given that everything seems to be the exact same all the time. But like you say, the Blue Jays keep winning and they keep doing it in basically the exact same way they've been doing it all season. It's pitching, pitching, pitching. Kevin Gosman with his phenomenal outing today as we record this 10 strikeout, zero walks again, has yet to walk a single batter this season, has yet to give up a single home run this season. And then we also have, you know, other good starts this series. Obviously nothing that cracks up to quite what Kevin Gosman did, but the offense still not there, but just enough to skate by. Jacob, how are you? Tell you what, this is this is preparation for the playoffs because you're not like you can win blowout games in the playoffs, but this is how you win a World Series is you are, you find a way to beat teams not by blowing them out, but by just barely edging through them or, or edging over them. And Blue Jays are doing that, and I keep saying to myself I'm a little concerned with the fact that all these games are within a couple of runs, but if you're winning them, then I really, I don't really have a leg to stand on with that, and they're winning, they still have not lost a series, and I think that's very important, they went an entire month without losing a series, things can't be better for this team going into the two, uh, month two of the season. I will echo what you just said there, the little bit of concern, because I think this is something that I guess I've had a growing sense of unease about the Blue Jays have a plus one run differential and that's not good at all. That's a problem. And in any other world where I would say they're not getting this lucky, you're going to have a team that is just barely over 500 or exactly at 500. So I am a little bit uneasy about this team and this start, but at the same time, you expect the offense to regress to their mean, which is, you know, much better than league average, which is leading the league in offensive numbers. And you expect the pitching to progress a little bit, which means the bullpen's going to be a little bit worse. You expect the pitching to be a little bit worse, but the offense should counteract that change. So one part of me is very uneasy about what we've seen from this team so far. And then the other part of me realizes, look, the pitching is not going to be great all the time, but the hitting's going to come around and it's going to be able to keep up this amazing stretch of games. So I don't know if you guys have a similar sense of unease and are trying to rationalize it to yourself, but I think that's kind of where I'm at after, you know, 23, 24 games of the season and the first month being over. Well, I think the the biggest thing is, the team is able to get the big hit when they need to get that big hit. And last season we saw it like they, they could go and what was that? That one inning against the Red Sox where they had like seven runs with two outs or something like that. Like they can do that, but they also can just barely beat a team and you nothing wrong with that. Like a win is a win. Uh, But the thing is, is it's, uh, it's worrisome that they need those 
clutch hits, but the fact that they're getting them don't, doesn't make me as nervous. Like, look at today. It was a 2-2 game. They were leading at one point. It was then eventually 2-2, and Santiago Espinal comes up with that big hit, and it was a big hit. Like, it was very crucial, and then George Springer with that fantastic catch in the ninth, Jordan Romano again with the save, and if you're you're able to just get those clutch things, then it's good, it's beneficial, but you also do want to have a little bit of wiggle room because, like, I know every aspect of this team is good, but you don't want to consistently rely on Jordan Romano. Like, of his of the 15 wins this team has, I think he's saved 10 of them, or was it uh, 11 of them, excuse me. So he is pitched in, like, 80% of, of the Blue Jays' wins. More than that, just in terms of their games, because he's had a few blown saves and a few, or a one blown save and the one non-save situation. So, like, it's it's good, but you also don't want that to happen like you want those nights where you can kind of just take your foot off the gas and just like get through it because you're up by so much but if you're able to do this it's especially against good teams like I think that's what's really important like when you're facing the Astros uh, they're about to face the Yankees the Red Sox who kind of are scuffling but if you're facing good teams and you're able to beat them even if it means you just barely like you trip and fall and you still are like one centimeter closer to the finish line if that makes sense, like, if you're able to do that, that's a good sign, like, and especially, like, you're not going to face bad teams in the playoffs, I mean, unless somebody squeaks in, but you're going to face good teams, might as well learn to beat those good teams, especially if you are a good team, and that was something that was really noteworthy, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember who, but somebody on the broadcast team mentioned that, if this team is able, or this is really where the team is going to show despite how early it is, this is where they're going to show how good of a team they actually are, and that's by beating the good teams. And if you're able to just get that seventh hitter in your lineup to get that hit, or you are you know you put out your all-star closer, foreshadowing there, but if you're able to do things like that, the team doesn't necessarily have a ton to worry about. And yeah, you, you, you want better offense. You want better than one run in that second game of the series. Um, you know, or excuse me, or one run in that Red Sox game, two runs, you know, three runs, like you want better than that, but it will get better. Like Teoscar Hernandez, we'll get to in a bit. He's going to come back soon, at least expected to, you know, so you're getting big pieces in your lineup back. I think it's just kind of a matter of time before those things really start to click and still some guys struggling a little bit, but it will get better. And that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. Like the offense will get better. But even if it's not good, like say, worst case, it's not a good offense. That would very be very, very shocking to me. But if you can still win without that top of the the top of the league offense, proves that this team is a lot deeper than, than even anticipated. But yeah, regardless, very good month for this team. You're now going against the Yankees. Uh, let's see what they have. Yeah, the Yankees. Like they're going to face the AL East opponents a lot this week, but or this month and all season long. But it'll like this is the stepping stone to build off of and the team I think looks looks like it's in a very good uh, very good spot right now and with the guys coming back or at least expected to I think uh, my worries will kind of go away yeah I think a little bit differently than you guys I'm not worried whatsoever from them winning these one-run games because I just know and I think everyone knows at the back of their head that Things are going to change, and the fact that the Jays are finding ways to win now in April especially, or when you look back at the month of April, it's important. Um, you look back, and it's just looking at all the clothes or the, the high leverage situations that the team had, 
They were finding ways to win games. This is something that you didn't see last year at, at all. You the last year the team found ways how to lose. And you you look at it. There's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, first of all, you know, as much as we talk about the offense of how the offense has started off slow. It is worth noting that league-wide, offense is down completely, like in terms of power, in terms of average, in terms of everything about it, OPS, everything is down. So really, when you think of it, how, in terms of, I guess, the Jays in comparison to the rest of the league, how bad truly are they doing? And I don't really think it's, I don't think it's um, that different than the rest of the league. The rest of the league has been showing the exact same thing. That's number one. Uh, Number two, Regardless if you believe in the conspiracy theories about the baseballs in terms of going from juice balls to kind of weighted down balls, a lot of people have been complaining about it. A lot of pitchers who have obviously had the upper hand in this have been complaining about it. Clearly, the baseballs are not the same. I hate to you know be involved in conspiracy theories, but there seems to be actual like evidence behind this that it's true. And number three is you look at the teams the Jays have been facing. Uh, you've seen the Houston Astros for two straight weekends. That is a potential ALCS preview, if you ask me. I mean, you look at it, the high leverage situations, the I guess the intensity of the games, making it feel like not an April game, making it feel like an October game. The fact that the Jays are beating these teams in these situations, yes, it's not ideal to win by one run every a couple games, but you know this team is too good for it to happen all year. It's eventually going to snap out of it. So it, meanwhile, while we wait for that to come, in some sort of way within the next maybe couple weeks. Who knows how long it takes until they get going, but you have to imagine that it's not going to be like this all the time. You look back on it because of what pretty much happened, and they beat these teams. Um, they've won every series of the season so far. They beat the Astros twice now. They beat the Red Sox twice. You look at they've played the Yankees. Like I think this is one of the hardest schedules in terms of strength of schedule that the team has played. I believe the Jays have the sixth hardest uh, schedule in terms of strength of schedule behind only Texas, Boston, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Baltimore. And then if you want to look at the AL East to compare it to a team like the Yankees, who are a couple games up on the Jays, I think about a game and a half up on the Jays, who have a run differential, I think it's around 43. Uh, the Yankees have the second easiest schedule in baseball, and they've played the the Orioles a couple of times too. The, the Yankees are obviously playing really well. They're red hot. I'm not taking anything away from them about that, but you have to compare the two teams and look at, you know, the Jays have had a lot more difficulty of opponents to start the year off. So for a team who hasn't been hitting good offensively out of the gate, you know, it is asking a lot to look at the the teams that they they face in April and expect all this to, you know, the Jays to click right away. I mean, if you were to go back in terms of April 7th or whenever the season started against Texas that Friday and you were going to forecast the rest of the month, you know, you notice that you have Texas, you have Oakland, you have the couple easy teams to start off the season. And then to realize that you have Boston in the middle of the month, you have New York, you have Houston twice, you know, you had Boston twice. It's pretty, you know, if you were to say at this point, the Jays would be 15 and eight uh, coming out of April into May now. I don't think any of us would really have predicted that. I think a lot of us were thinking more of a slower start for the team maybe hover around 500. You're pretty you're pretty sad if you're hovering around 500 coming out of the month of April. But the fact that they've gone above expectations and they've won these games, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. And I know it's going to come. We all know the offense is going to come. They're going to start putting up a lot more runs. But that's the thing I think about it with. And I also think about the expectations with this team. We talked about it all offseason. This is a team that's going to be a playoff contender. We know this. Everyone knows the lineup. We know the starting rotation. I mean, you look at the starting rotation right now. They have pretty much solidified a three-headed monster in the starting rotation besides a couple question marks at the bottom of the rotation. 
we should be talking about a team like this winning games. We should be talking about a first-place team with the Jays. We shouldn't be talking about expectations and then coming out of April saying, oh, you know, still not very confident on this team. I think we need to stick to that. And I think not only are, are obviously us being in terms of bias a little bit and being Jays fans, this has been recognizable throughout the rest of the league. The Jays are for real. I mean, you know, you can say it so many times. They've been proving it on the field, regardless of they've been putting up seven runs, two runs. At the end of the day, and I go back to what you said, Jacob, they're finding ways to win games. And I can't complain about it. Yes, it's not good for the heart rate. Yes, it's not good for panic attacks in terms of a roller coaster. But at the end of the day, we saw the opposite of this last year. And it was only, a, it was only I guess, a, a matter of time before the Jays kind of reversed course and did it the opposite way in terms of finding ways to win. So... I'm not concerned. Obviously, winning by one run every game isn't ideal because of the heart rate, like I was saying. And the margin for error is very thin. You talk about it, as much as the starting rotation has been pretty much dominant, you know, there is a a little bit of a kind of, I guess I would say, a little bit of pressure, you know, not purposely done. But when you think about it, the margin for error is very slim. One mistake the game's tied. And we've seen a couple lead changes throughout this month. It's not like the Jays have gone perfect, right? We we know about what happened last week. And if you want to give a ex- quick example about late in the game, when Houston, not the, this past series, but the, the series back in Houston, when they walked things off, it just shows the lead changes that happen. And it hasn't exactly gone in the Jays' favor every single game, but for most of the part, it has been. So I just think of it from many factors about it like that. And I just know that it's going to change, but they're finding ways to win. And I don't know why we should be and I know you guys aren't complaining, so I'm not. I'm, I'm going to make that clear. You guys aren't complaining. All I'm saying is, as much as it should be in the back of your head, I don't take anything, or I don't take anything major away from it. So the run differential, it's definitely got to get better. I mean, plus one, it's not ideal, but at the end of the day, it's about that final. It's about that final record, and they're finding ways to win right now. And just to sum it off again, the teams they played this month, it's pretty darn near impressive what they did, especially without. Danny Jansen without Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, they've been missing pieces to start the year. They've only had them for a couple of games and they're still finding ways to win as much as the top of the order hasn't exactly been consistent. I think a big part of them, I guess, being competitive in these games though is the bottom of the order. No matter who you throw out there in the bottom of the order, they are putting up really good at-bats and they've also been one of the reasons for these late comeback wins. I mean, late inning rallies, we saw it, uh, a most recent example would have been, I guess, this last series against the Red Sox when Rymel Tapia started off a... Uh, a rally later in the game and then of course setting things up for extra innings you know just things like that where the bottom of the order is putting up great at bats and a main highlight would be Santiago Espinal who's been pretty much leading the way in terms of that at the bottom of the order a lot of people are talking about moving him up in the order a lot of people like where he is I'm just saying that you know the as much as the lineup hasn't been putting up 10 runs a game there are still putting up really good at bats and they're finding ways to win so it sounds like you're frustrated with people who are concerned about the Blue Jays right now not frustrated. I just think maybe you're looking into it too much, but okay. I wouldn't say frustrated because everyone has the right to be concerned. I mean, it's definitely something that you expect to happen a little bit in terms of concern. Yeah, because I think that's where I am. Like, I don't want to be concerned. Like you say, like they, they're they 15 and 8. Like, there's only so much we can say negative about a team that has won 15 of their first 23 games and put up the fourth best winning percentage in April in franchise history and has the longest streak to start a season in franchise history without losing back-to-back games. Like there is only so much negative we can say about that, especially when they are tied for first in the American league in wins with the New York Yankees. At the same time, 
I'm concerned about the future. I'm concerned that this is not sustainable. And that's what I'm talking about when I say I have this sense of unease when I'm watching the Blue Jays this month. It's because they're not blowing out teams and they aren't doing what we expected them to do offensively. And that's where my sense of unease comes in. And it's not because they have won all these games. It's because one-run games are maybe not exactly a flip of a coin, but it's pretty darn close in baseball. There's so much luck involved in a one-run game. And at some point, I'm worried that that luck will turn if they keep winning by one run. Again, they're 15-8. and Can't be too concerned. Um, And I do think the luck will turn for the offense. I think the offense is going to pick up. And like you say, Bryson, offense around the entire league is depressed. You look at putting the Blue Jays' offense in context, they're fifth in the league in hits per game, seventh in batting average, fourth in OPS, and first in home runs. So really, when you look at it that way, what it comes down to is hitting with runners in scoring position because in runs, they're middle of the pack. So... Yes, I think it's going to turn around. Yes, I think the Blue Jays are going to keep winning. I'm just a little nervous that we haven't seen the offense totally explode yet. But that being said, we have seen the starting pitching be phenomenal. And I know you guys talked about this a little bit last week, but Kevin Gosman, absolutely phenomenal outing. 10 strikeouts, 0 walks. He hasn't walked a single batter this year, hasn't given up a single home run this year, and is... I believe the only time someone else has done that is Cy Young, who we all know was a pretty darn good pitcher. There's an award named after him. I know you guys talked about Alec Manoa putting up Cy Young award numbers, but if I'm weighing in on this conversation, I think it is Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman. Um, He's putting up more strikeouts than Alec Manoa is. He's allowing less walks than Alec Manoa is, and he's doing something that has for the most part, never been done in baseball history, even if the other numbers aren't as phenomenal. You know, a 2.5, 2.1 ERA, whatever it is. Phenomenal, but not history-making phenomenal for him. So, I know you guys talked about this last week, but if it's a do-or-die game for the Blue Jays, it is Kevin Gosman on the mound, without a doubt for me. I'm going to ignore that because, I don't know. I wow. like. Here's wow. the, I said this last week. The numbers don't lie, mm-hmm. Jacob. The numbers say okay, don't like, defend yourself. Kevin so defend yourself right now. Let me I'm look gonna, at, hold defend on, hold yourself on. right now. Kevin Gosman has been there before. He's a veteran, and he is putting up a stretch unparalleled in baseball history. You cannot change Why not my have mind. Two candidates. Uh, hang on. Let me let me get up Alec Manoa's. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Stats Jacob, I'll so just look, say but, when, hold yeah, on. I, I got it. Go. So you, you mentioned Kevin Gosman. Alec Manoa is actually a little bit better uh, statistically. Now it's four, so equally they've had four starts. Very very small. They're probably going to make Kevin Gosman had more. his fifth today. Okay, sorry. Oh, it's okay, not, sorry. The, not uh, updated on Baseball Reference. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. But so very very small sample size. Numbers are relatively comparable. Alec Manoa maybe a tiny tiny little bit better. I'll tell you what. This is not a tell bad me, problem. To tell have. me how like, many strikeouts Alec Manoa has. He has twenty five. And tell me how many walks Alec Manoa has. Seven. Okay, so yes, how many, fair. Yes, and, and fair. One, Zero, one more yes. question. One more question for you. Tell me how many home runs he's allowed. Two. Okay. Which so is more than Kevin Gosman. Zero yes. home runs for Kevin Gosman. Zero walks for Kevin Gosman. And he struck out 10 batters in one game today. Case closed. I'm happy that we're able to discuss this, though. Because, like, if we... Like, I would rather say, do I want the 
guy who's putting up Cy Young numbers or the guy putting up almost Cy Young numbers starting a game seven. Like that's a, uh, and then there's also Jose Barrios who's quietly becoming uh, ace number two on this rotation or ace number three. Like this is a good situation to be in if you're this Blue Jays team. Like this, <laughs> this team is it's quite stacked. I think that is is fair to say it. But I don't know. I think I want to see the rest of the season to to decide who I would truly want. But the the okay, main reason why ends today season ends today for some reason collective bargaining agreement is overturned or whatever. The season ends today. They're doing it a quick playoff situation. One game playoff for the Blue Jays. It's Kevin Gosman. I don't <laughs> know what that. Anyone else? Like, remember, uh, to, I called Alec Manoa like the. I I think it was la- this was last year. I said that he is what Marcus Stroman could have become, where he's dominant, but he's like he feeds off of that crowd. Like if you put him in Game Seven of the World Series, I don't or care like if any you type feed of. Off the, I don't care if you feed off the crowd, but or like not. that may. Hey, let him finish. But I, that hear may, I, I think that he's the type of guy that you put him in a big situation that he knows is a big situation, and he knows that there's 50,000 people that are about to lose their minds if he strikes someone out. I think that makes him even better than Kevin Gosman. Maybe maybe it's just for that game. Maybe it makes him perform a little bit better. I still think that you go with Alec Manoa. Maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it's kind of uh, a little bit out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Alec Manoa is the type of guy that gets an elimination game just because he feeds off of that crowd. Like, you still, you you, you don't get there without Kevin Gosman and Jose Brios in that rotation. But if it's that last game, like, who was it? The the guys, the ESPN guys, where they were saying, like, if the Martians have the, like, the, the, the droid shooting at Earth and you need that one guy to make the shot. And he said, I want Iguodala. I want Alec nice Manoa in that, yeah, I want Alec Manoa in that situation. I want to hear his Just because of how... Yeah, yeah, but you guys hear what I say. I think he feeds off the crowd. We'll see. Maybe Bryson goes for the other right guy we haven't talked about. Well, I can confirm it's not, but <laughs> okay. <fair laughs> I'll just say this. As much as you guys both, like, it's great to have this conversation. I look at it even bigger. I'll get to if I had to choose, don't worry. But all I'm saying is I look at it from bigger. You have a three-headed monster. Instead of saying about this do-or-die thing, look at the entire series. Look how you line up your pitchers in the entire series. And these are guys that pitch well within the AL East, especially after the first month. I mean, we know Alec Mano- has been dominated or dominating the Yankees, even going back to last year. Kevin Gosman made two starts against the Red Sox in a matter of two weeks. That's pretty hard to replicate in terms of entire performance. You saw his performance today against the Astros. So these guys are all pitching really well against AL East teams. I'll even throw in Barrios because he had a good start at Fenway last week, and then he had a good start this week against Boston as well. So these guys are all kind of, they have that material in them all the way. And I guess to answer it, because... If you don't remember Jacob, I have to I have to say Kevin Gosman because this was our this was Mark and I's prediction for the Cy Young on this team. And the fact is, you chose Barrios, so I don't know if you've changed <laughs> your mind on that, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you speak for yourself when that happens, but you got to stick to it. I mean, Mark, you're talking about like the guy has been absolutely dominant. I mean, you talked about it. No home runs given up. He hasn't given up a walk. And you look at today, another kind of day with weak contact given up. He threw 71 strikes on 98 pitches. This guy attacks the zone 01, 02. And all of a sudden, it's like a one and two count or whatnot. 10 strikeouts today. And the, the one highlight I have too is one of the things that we saw dr- or earlier, in, I guess, early in the start is when Bobuchet made that error. Kevin Gosman wasn't even phased. You know, of course, you have to throw an extra six, seven pitches. Not exactly ideal for the pitch count. You want him to go deeper in the game. But at the end of the day, he went seven strong innings. Wasn't even phased. Got out of it. No no worries at all. And it's just been, it's a common occurrence because 
Jacob, I said this with you a couple days ago, is that splitter that he has is one of the most dominant pitches, if not the dominant pitch in baseball right now. That splitter is fooling so many people. His fastball gets a lot of movement. Those are the two kind of pitches that pretty much dominate in terms of him, in terms of what he throws. And then when he gets very dangerous is when the other select pitch selections he has are in effect and they're on point. And that's, I think it's a slider and his changeup the odd time. He throws a slider more than the changeup. But when all those pitches are clicking at the same time, you can only imagine from a hitter standpoint of it's pretty much impossible to know what's coming at you. And that is partially why he fools people every single start, or that's what he did at least through the month of April. So that was happening. And of course, Jose Barrios is a guy too from this series, I thought, where in terms of a margin for error, in terms of the low offense that we've been talking about, these one-run games, Jose Barrios is another guy who has been turning it around ever since that first start. He gets better and better. His fourth team was the dominant pitch today, uh, or sorry, in his start against um, Houston yesterday in ter- on the Saturday. He used a secondary pitch as the odd time to mix it up as well. So he was a lot more sharp in this start. He was striking out more guys as much as he still gave up a lot of hits. He's a guy that can battle through it in terms of pitching from the stretch. And we've seen all season from him besides that first start. So while you have those three guys going, and we know at what Alec Manoa brings, and we know that he's going to have a start against the Yankees coming up, well, you have all that, you still have the question marks at the back end of the rotation, which is a bit concerning, a bit. I mean, you have Hunjin Ryu. We know he's been out. He's going to come back. It sounds like when he comes back, he's going to be uh, kind of, he won't be stretched out, which means it feels like he's going to start, and then it's going to be kind of like a piggyback role from Ross Stripling from there. He's going to come in in the middle innings. And we don't, we at, at this point, I don't think we have any idea what we're going to get of Hunjin Ryu. The only thing that we can do is kind of be optimistic. But the main question mark, the main kind of what you say, Kikuchi, you're going to get, that's him. You say, Kikuchi, what are you going to get from him? We saw his start at the beginning of this series, like the last one in Houston. It was, it did not go well whatsoever. I mean, the one thing you took away from it is, he was using his four seam majority of the time. He one also thing or one thing I also uh, recognize, and a lot of it was actually pointed on the broadcast, is that he ditched his pause in his windup, where he kind of lifts his leg, he kind of hesitates for a couple seconds and throws. It's all in one motion now. He goes right to the plate, and the problem with him in terms of the last start, and I guess you can even go back to last weekend in Houston, is it's the command that's the issue. I mean, he threw twenty seven balls on 66 pitches. I hate to compare him to Kevin Gosman because that's obviously at this point not fair, but in terms of efficiency, it's pretty clear what you'd rather have in terms of that, in terms of Kevin Gosman attacking that strike zone. So Yusei Kikuchi has a lot of work to do. The the four-seam usage is definitely something that they're working on, and it's something that he's trying to implement, but the command is all over the place right now, so just it's the back end of the rotation that uh, creates a lot of the question marks but in terms of that three-headed monster that we talked about it's a great issue to have in terms of debating on who would you rather throw it at when it kind of matters most um it, i really like it you'd rather be doing that than rather than talking about five question marks in your rotation and believe me we've been doing this thing this <laughs> podcast since 2017 we've gone through quite a lot of terms of starting rotation pitchers it is pretty crazy the turnaround that we've ta- spoken about from that to this now it's definitely a lot refreshing a lot more refreshing and i will say this hate to do this but i'm going to bring it up kevin gosman we know his numbers i just want to say robbie ray has an era almost at four i'm just wow. going to say that that was cold just going to say that that was cool it was cold but it was necessary it was necessary <laughs> yeah uh, i want to backtrack a little bit you bring up yusei kikuchi i've heard rumblings of people who want him dfa'd that yeah, Bryson, you reacting like that. That's kind of my reaction at this point. 
you know, we're four games into the season for you, say Kikuchi. He's had four starts. It's too early for that conversation for me. I know the comparison that people probably want to bring up is Tanner Rourke. To me, they are very different pitchers. The Blue Jays have had, what, a month, two months to work with him since they signed him? Probably about a month and a half, six weeks. Tanner Rourke, they had for a season prior to that explosion at the beginning of 2021. That's a key difference. Number two, the Blue Jays are working on Yusei Kikuchi. It is a work in progress with him. You mentioned the commands. The cutter has also been an issue, trying to cut that out of his repertoire. The Blue Jays are working with him. Pete Walker is working with him to make sure these things are no longer issues. And it's a work in progress. Um, Ross Adkins was on the radio broadcast today with Ben Wagner, and he said basically that. They've been really encouraged. Yusei Kikuchi has been taking their suggestions. They've been working together consistently to make sure that he's improving off these weaknesses that they've noticed. It's a work in progress. And as frustrating as, as frustrating as it may be to have the Blue Jays be in this position and have to roll out Yusei Kikuchi every five days, rolling out a guy who is of his caliber as a fifth starter is not the end of the world. That's not a problem for a team like the Blue Jays. And if you say you can count on a Alec Manoa win, a Kevin Gosman win, and a Jose Brios win, and you're flipping the coin for both of, you know, right now, Ross Stripling and Yusei Kikuchi, probably soon going to be Hinjin Ryu and Ross Stripling, and then a separate start Yusei Kikuchi. If you're flipping a coin for those two turns through the rotation, I'll take that any day. If you can bank on three wins, and then you flip a coin for the next two, you're in business. So yeah, I just say for people who are contemplating that, I know there was some people on Blue Jays talk after the game today talking about Yusei Kikuchi and saying how he is a problem. The Blue Jays should consider DFAing him. Give it time. He's a work in progress. And yeah, maybe things don't turn out by the end of June, by the end of July. And at that point, you start looking at trade options, how you can replace him in the rotation. But right now, the options are Ross Stripling, who's already in the rotation because of injuries, and Trent Thornton, I guess, would be no, the next no, guy going no, into the rotation. No, and no, that's not no. any better than Yusei Kikuchi. So the options aren't there right now. Give him time. Give the Blue Jays time to figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't really know why everybody, the second things don't go well, just assume that a player should be DFA well, or sent I, to the minors. I understand why, because of the situation the Blue Jays are in right now. They are in a situation where they have to win games. But at the same time, it's your fifth starter. Yeah, and and also like you said, it's early. Like, and you signed him for three seasons. Like, it's not. This isn't. It's not like when you order something online, you don't like it, and then you just return it right away. Like, you've invested a lot into this, um, time and money wise. Like, you've invested a lot into having him at the back end of your rotation. And hey, if you're winning three out of every five, yeah, you don't want to lo- You don't want him to be a guaranteed loss or 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 a coin flip or less than that. But if you can bank on three out of five wins, three out of five, 60%, like that's a good winning percentage that gets you into the playoffs, I, I would assume at least. But you know what yeah, I mean? You know what a th- winning three out of five games is over 162? That's 97 wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I think people are not thinking big picture. Like, this team is g- surprisingly, I think I could say, has some weaknesses. When I say surprisingly, I mean, we kind of 
we knew it was a possibility, but we didn't fully expect it. But this team is good, like regardless of if there are some coin flips within that within the team. And I don't think Yusei Kikuchi is bad by any means. He's had gotten off to a rough start. Fair enough. But like, let's also remember he's faced the Astros twice, he faced the Yankees. Like these are good teams. And I'm sure as as the calendar starts to flip, as they they face, I think they have some easier opponents, if I'm not mistaken, towards... Well, you, you get the Yankees twice in two weeks, right? And then you got Cleveland next weekend. So it's kind of... You got Seattle. Like, it's it's kind of... It's mixed. It's it's well, a lot more Cincinnati balanced. Cincinnati yeah. will be easy. They're 3-19, and 19, I think, so far. <laughs> well, they're 2-0 and when Joey Votto posts on TikTok. But um, anyways, like, you know what I mean. Like, it'll... It will get better for you, Kikuchi. He's not going to face the the championship uh, caliber teams like ALCS caliber teams every single time. Also, he can he can get worked on. Like Robbie Ray was not good when he came to the Blue Jays, or at least wasn't good that season. Ross Stripling has turned things around. Like Pete Walker can work his magic, and the Blue Jays can work their magic. Maybe he's not going to be a sub three or mid threes ERA guy, but if you can get like high threes at worst approaching four it's not bad like that's not bad by any means and i think that's something that people need to realize like just give him a little bit more time you in theory could look to move him at the deadline if you need to but if you're going to sign someone for a three-year or two or three-year contract you don't get rid of him after the first month of it that's i don't know i just to me first of all i don't think anything of it i just think the common scapegoat topic is DFA this guy, DFA that guy. We heard the same thing with Ryu earlier on in the month. We know that they're not going to do that. We know that they're going to work through these issues or at least try and work through these issues. You know, Kikuchi, I know we're expecting better. We are, but I'm, we're not also, we're not expecting him to be that top guy in the rotation, right? So that's the the balance that you have with that. But we all know he's, he's a lot better than what he's pitched the last two um, outings against the Astros. I mean, if you want other stuff to look at, Look at that start at Fenway Park he made last week. He did pretty good in terms of that early trouble, and then he kind of settled down. And, you know, as much as he's shown flashes, he's also shown a lot of issues that he still clearly has to work through. And um, let's just say he's going to have a lot of testing, I would say, in the next couple weeks because his next two starts are also against the Yankees too. So he's going to be seeing the Yankees quite a bit. And then if you want to balance that out, Alec Manoa is also going to be seeing the Yankees a bit. So you feel good about one thing. You don't feel good about the other thing. It's it's going to be tough. And I think this series coming up, like you have the, the red-hot Yankees who are right now first in the AL East. It's going to be a really good series. And it's been nothing short of what we saw this entire month. We've been seeing playoff-like series with the Red Sox, with the Astros times two for both. And now you're going to see the Yankees again, who you already saw last month. But, you know, the Yankees have really caught fire since the Jays last saw them. So we're going to see what happens. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very fun series coming up. So, you know, there's still, I guess, in terms of the offense, there's still a lot of issues going on. I just want to bring up a couple things with you guys. I don't know if you agree or not. So I know one thing in particular is I want to bring up uh, Bo Bichette. I do think, I want to ask you guys if you think he may start to be, you think he might be starting to turn a corner a bit. I think he's starting to show signs. I think he's kind of, I mean, you look at the home run today. That was really impressive. The opposite field, go ahead, home run. I just think that we might start seeing 
we start to be seeing a little bit of a turnaround from him. I know he went one for four today in terms of the Sunday game. You know, he had a couple moments throughout the weekend. And then, of course, there was a couple games where he also struggled. But today in particular, there was a lot of hard hit contact. I think his first at bat was a line out and it was almost 112 miles per hour in terms of exit velocity, which means he got a lot of a really good contact. And then I think his second at bat was around 92 miles per hour with exit velocity. I think it was an expecting batting average of almost 290. So today, as much as he got a little bit unlucky with that, He's hitting the ball really hard, and that's why I'm starting to get a little bit more optimistic with Bo. I think he's putting up a lot more or better of at-bats, and you know he's been talking to the media. I think Joe Siddle had a really good segment on Blue Jay Central. I think it was yesterday talking about he's Bo Bichette is still a very confident person, and he's working through it. I just think it's something to take note of. I mean, you look at that, you get the top of the order going. It's going to be pretty crucial for this lineup to, you know, going back to what you guys spoke about earlier on about the concerns about these one-run leads – once Bobachet gets going and once that top of the order gets going at the same time, you feel like it's going to lead to better things overall for the offense. I mean, George Springer's been on all series. I think he's one of my highlights this series. You saw his clutch home runs. He was pretty much only responsible for the the runs on the Saturday game, which they won in game two. He had the clutch cl- catch today. He was pretty much all over the field today. And I think it's become quite clear in terms of, or even though there's a small sample size, is he loves playing against his former team and he loves burning them. So you make the argument today, he saved the game today. I think it's pretty obvious that if that he didn't catch that ball in the Sunday game, uh, Alex Bregman would have tied the game because of uh, uh, it would have been a double or anything like that. It would have scored the run anyway from first base. So that's my highlight from the weekend. I know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. also kind of got out of it in terms of his home run slump, although I think he's almost won for his last 20. So he's still working through some issues, but for the most part, he's been good all season. So I think Bo Bichette starting to turn that corner is pretty crucial for the top of the order. I just wanted to ask you guys if you think the same way or do you still need to see more from Bo? Yeah, I think he's turning a corner. Um, and it also helps that Teoscar Hernandez coming back, presumably by the end of this week. So he's going to get some more protection and Vladdy's going to get some more protection. And I think it's just going to help the offense in general, outside of Teoscar's individual performance, which we know is going to be excellent. It's going to give protection and depth to the rest of the offense. So, yeah, I think he's turning a corner, and I think the the offense is general is turning a corner, and I think, like we spoke about earlier, it has to if you want to stop with these one-run games. Yeah, and I, I said this, I've said this multiple times, but I'm pretty sure I said this last episode, is I'm not concerned about Bo Bichette over his career. Now, I know he's kind of, he played a full season last year, but 2020 uh, and 2019 roughly the equivalent-ish of a, another season. So within two seasons, roughly, of Major League service time, he's been a consistent player. I'm not worried about it. I don't think that this is indicative of a of a long drought. I think it's just, you know, when you're a freak swinger, sometimes you are at risk of these types of things where you're just unlucky or you know, you're know you getting into a, a ball where you hit it hard or somebody gets out or gets you out. But... I'm not worried about it by any means. He's a regular on this team. He doesn't have to prove it. I mean, obviously, if he is terrible for the entire season, then you're like, okay, well, maybe the team needs to look elsewhere. But it's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen at all. I'm not worried by any means. I just, uh, you know, you do like to see him turn things around. And even if he is struggling, I'll take a grand slam or a home run as your, like, one hit of the day any day. Like, if it's giving your team a chance to win, but... Still, I'm not worried. He's a regular. He's proven that. And he's... All I gotta say is please work on that defense, man. Like, your offense can carry you so much, but that needs to get worked on. 
the defense is not a problem. It's not a problem most of the time, but it's. I agree not with a Mark. I mean, he makes just as many good plays as he does bad plays. It's you look at the plays. He, look at the play he made today. I agree with you, Mark. And yeah. his job. I just before his you. Job yeah, is not going. To, his job is not to be a defense first shortstop. He's an offense first shortstop. So the defense is not a problem. Yeah. yeah okay, before you. Yeah. Before you continue, I also want to point out today. I just one thing that caught my mind was George Springle's, uh, Springer's hustle in the sixth inning to keep that inning alive for Bobichet, who tied the game. If he doesn't beat out that throw, uh, I think he hit it to Aledmus Diaz. Who knows where we would be standing, but that gave Bo Bichette the opportunity to hit that home run. And going back to his defense quickly, yes, there's a couple routine plays where he bobbles it. You almost want to rip your hair out, but at the same time, um, at the same time, is it makes up for it, I think, because of all the plays he does make, and that's what you're expecting from him. So, he, and that goes back to what we said. He's one of the funnest players on the team to watch, but he's also could be very frustrating. But I agree that the defense is not a major issue. It's not an issue. I just when you misplay this many routine plays, it's like, man, I could. I'm not saying I'm a major league shortstop, but like, okay, Jacob. I'm sure the average person. Uh, anyways, moving on. Go like, ahead, Mark. Yeah, okay, go on. Let's move on from that one. Well, it is the end of <laughs> April. It's the first day of May, and it is time for I think what will probably become a new series for us. We're doing end of the month awards. So it's exactly what it sounds like, and we're going to be going rapid fire because I think most of these are pretty obvious. We're going to start with Cy Young because that one, to me at least, is a no-brainer. Kevin Gosman. Here we go again. <laughs> it's Kevin Gosman. Yes, it's. I'll say for this month it was Kevin Gosman. Okay, there we go. This month, like th- this isolated month. Okay, so Jacob's warmed up to the idea a little bit more. Yeah, it's pretty set in stone, Kevin Gosman. You know, I think you give a quick honorable mention to Alec Manoa, but in terms of his stuff, in terms of the movement, in terms of everything like that, dominating strikeouts, we went over it earlier on. It's got to be Kevin Gosman. Okay, next one I think will also be a no-brainer. Reliever of the month, Jordan Romano. It is Ada. No, I'm kidding. It's Jordan Romano. <laughs> it is Jordan Romano, but you give, again, you have to give these Bryson assists to these guys later these in the game. honorable mentions. You have to, though, but think about it. Jordan Romano doesn't get these opportunities if people coming in before him don't blow the game. One honorable mention I will make is Tim Meza, who has been phenomenal coming out of the bullpen. Again, setting things up today as an example. All I'm saying is you have to reckon, as much as Romano has been phenomenal, you can't take anything away from that. You have to recognize the guys that are coming in beforehand and keeping it in, keeping that in play for him to get that save. But in terms of performance, yes, it's got to be Romano. Also, something with Adam Simber, he hasn't allowed an earned run since April 17th. So And he leads the American League yeah. in wins. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm happy that we have this many good players on the team. Like, I'll maybe, take it. Maybe Cy Young for the month of April is Adam Simber, since he leads the league in wins. Um, okay, next one. Biggest surprise. I'm going to go with Espinal. I, I, I'm going to disagree with that, just because I, I knew that Espinal was bound for a breakout year. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, but... I'll think uh, what I will say the biggest surprise for me is probably and it's not a pleasant surprise but it's uh, it's Alejandro Kirk because he is he he just truly has not really got it going yet like you expect him to get in be that DH yeah he'll catch but if you're looking at a disappointment it's got to be Alejandro Kirk just because it's not really gone exactly where you want it to be I don't know if I agree with that I understand where you're. It's been very from. slow. Like it, yeah, he's, he's had been, a very slow start. He, we saw the strikeouts. He doesn't strike out. He's putting the ball in play as much as he's not hitting home runs. He, there's obviously elements of the game where you know he's not excelling in certain parts, but I think for the most part he's turning that corner. And he's being really good. 
I'll say I agree. I'll go Espinal. I think Jacob, as much as you may want, you know, you may have predicted it or not. I just, from a guy that has never consistently played every day, it's hard to kind of imagine that he was going to really put up these numbers to start the year off. I mean, you, you really don't know. We spoke about a Cavan Biggio platoon. I think everyone else did. And look how far that's come. And we don't know what's going to happen with him. But for a guy that really has taken advantage of that spot playing every day, he has to be your, your surprise player of the month for sure. And I'll give an honorable mention to Zach Collins uh, because, of course. Honorable mention goes to you now. <laughs> no one expected what Zach Collins did this month, so we'll shut him out here. And um, he stays on the roster as the, the roster shrinkens. We spoke about that. They're going to stick with three catchers. He's an option to DH from the left side. You can't, you can't take anything away from credit to him who played his way onto this team. We're going to miss hearing Rick Astley at the, uh, at the ballpark and having Go suit Kato, Rick <laughs> Rollis all the time. But um, okay. Uh, I think this one will be interesting. Gold glove. I'm giving it to Yusei Kikuchi. What? Okay. I think. Uh, <laughs> I Let me explain myself. Obviously, Matt Chapman's defense is more important to this team. And I'm predicting both of you are going to say Matt Chapman. But. Yusei Kikuchi is someone I had no idea he could field as well as he does. And it seems in every start when we watch him, there are bunt attempts, there are little nibblers in front of the plate, and he pounces off the mound and is able to make those plays so, so well. I've been very pleasantly surprised with that, so I give him Gold Glove for the month of April. I'm going to give it to George Springer. Like wow. he, makes the, he makes the average play, but when game's on the line, he'll... he'll He'll run for like what is it like 40 50 meters and he'll dive and he'll make a fantastic play. Like, look at today, uh, when was it a couple of games ago? I think it was in the Red Sox series. Like, he'll make a he'll basically do what Kevin Pilar used to do on top of making just your average uh, good play. But yeah, definitely been a, a fantastic defender. That was going to be my pick if Jacob went with Chapman. I think it's a toss-up just because of those clutch moments. But in terms of consistency, in terms of arm strength, everything, I'll say it's, it's Matt Chapman. Okay, good. I was, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I was worried none of us was going to pick Chapman at that point. <laughs> no, you, you had to bring in yeah, Chapman if Jacob was wasn't going to say him. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Chapman has been so, so good. It is incredible to watch him day in and day out. We're so spoiled. And I still can't get over how good his arm is. It shocks me every time. Um, okay, so now for the big one, the final one, most valuable player from the month of April, George Springer. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he makes the good plays. He, he's he been off to a great start. I think one of the biggest differences between this season and last season is George Springer's healthy, and he's here for the start of the season, and he's he's making his impact known. I just I can't wait to see what a full season out of him will be, so I'll second that knock on wood that it is a full season but yes I think him being in the lineup every day pretty much piggybacking from what you said I think that's the reason why he's the MVP not only has he been the most consistent hitter leading off we know he loves lead off home runs we know just clutch moments he's had I can count you guys can count about what almost five times already maybe even more where he's had a clutch moment he had a clutch moment against Boston obviously uh, a couple games ago tying the game he had a couple good home runs off his former team same thing last weekend he had a couple good uh, game saving catches today in particular on the Sunday he's been all over the place he's making his presence known both offensively and defensively and the fact that we're seeing what could have been even if you look back at last year when a healthy George Springer it just shows that impact player that he is and he may not be the most talented player on the team because you can say someone like Vladimir Guerrero Jr but in terms of consistency at the plate and everything like that showing what a healthy George Springer truly looks like he's got to be your MVP from what you've seen so far all right 
On And with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Section 138. Blue Jays facing the Yankees. Oh, I guess we got to do a series prediction. Um, I will be the pessimistic one. It's a three-game set, right? Three. I'll be pessimistic, and I'll say one out of three. I think the Yankees are so, so hot right now. They've won eight in a row. So I'll take one out of three. See, here's the thing. You have the back end of your rotation minus Alec Manoa pitching. And I don't know. That's usually what I do. I just vaguely gauge based off of the pitching. I don't know. I mean, obviously you can't, you can't split this because it's not three game or it's not four games. I'm going to still say they somehow come away with two out of three. I don't know how. I'm just saying it's going to happen. That would be a franchise record for non series losses to start the season. Why not? I mean, we predicted, I think, Jacob, I think you predicted two out of three with me uh, coming into this series. We were both optimistic of it. I said, why not close the month out? Well, why not get to that franchise record? I mean, Ross Stripling, he's been pitching really well, uh, especially going back to his last start. I like his, I like the chances of him doing that. Alec Manoa, we were very confident when he pitches against the Yankees. The Yankees haven't been proven at all to hit against him. And that one coin flip, that one wild card is that series finale with Yusei Kikuchi. I'll say, if anything, that's the game they lose, but I say the Jays take two out of three and keep it going. Okay, we'll see what happens. As always, you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash section138pod. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at section138pod. And we will be looking forward to this series against New York. It's going to be an intense matchup at Rogers Center. We'll catch you then. <laughs>